You're listening to The Mortgage Lady with mortgage and real estate tips. If you would like to text me, please do so at 310-291-1601. You can ask me a question by text at any time. Thank you. So what exactly is the difference between a pre-qualification, a pre-approval, and an underwritten approval with conditions and a final approval? Let's go through the various phases. Are you ready? Get your pen and pencil. Take notes. You can also text me while you're listening to this at 310-291-1601 with any questions for a loan officer or for an underwriter. Here, here's the difference. So number one, when you contact a loan officer at a bank or a mortgage broker, they're going to ask you questions. Sometimes it's over the phone and the pre-qualification process will consist of going over your various income. If you're W-2 or you're self-employed, if you're self-employed, are you a sole proprietor or do you own a corporation? or an LLC. They'll also get all of your debts. Sometimes they will ask for you to send a copy of your credit report and it's not so much to see the FICO because we could do loans even with low FICO scores. But it's basically to see how your debts are reported on your credit report. So for example, if your monthly if your minimum payment on a credit card is $50 but you're sending more 200 well guess what that 200 is what is reporting on your credit report and that 200 is what the underwriter will include in your debt column so if you're planning a refi or you're planning a purchase it may be a good idea if your debt to income is kind of tight, it might be a good idea just to make the minimum payment. So that's a little side note. I got sidetracked. Okay, then they're gonna ask you about your assets. Some loans require that you have two months of reserves and the reserves are your PITI. PITI, principal interest, tax and insurance. If you live in a condo, that would include the homeowners association monthly fee. Then they're going to ask you if you had any derogatories on your credit report in the last few years, any bankruptcies, any foreclosures, any short sales, any uh, IRS liens, tax liens, any other kind of judgments or liens. You can always get a copy of your credit report from Credit Karma. And I tell that to people because unless you're ready to pull the trigger and get the loan process started, um, you're credit report that a loan officer runs is going to expire anyway in a couple months so a lot of times if your FICO is really good and we just need to see how your debts are reporting your student loans very important to see how those are reporting then I can go on a prequal on a credit karma if you don't want to have your credit report run various times so the prequal is basically over the phone. Maybe you send them some tax returns. Maybe you send them uh, your pay stubs. All right. And then that could be a prequal. I never 
do a pre-qual in a formal pre-approval letter that you would use when you make offers. That pre-approval letter is phase two. We just covered phase one. Other questions in phase one would uh, pertain to how many properties you own and what those debts are. So phase one is kind of just to get a general overview, see if there's any red flags. Now we move to phase two, and that's the pre-approval. And that's when a loan officer or mortgage broker would send you a pre-approval letter with the purchase price amount that you qualified for. And based on verifying your down payment funds, what your loan to value would be. Another way of saying that is how much are you putting down and how much are you purchasing? That'll determine the loan to value. So in the phase two pre-approval stage, I would ask you to fill out an application because I need to see some details. I need to see if you're renting, if you're owning, how many years you've been in your current residence, I need to see how many years you've been in your current job. Some of the details that are important, if you're paying child support, if you're receiving child support or alimony, if you co-sign for somebody on a loan, there's these little details that are important that come up later that we need to know. So filling out a loan application with all the details is important. Then I would ask you to please send me a copy of your credit report or allow me to run your credit report at this point. And I would ask you for your last two years of tax returns. I would ask you if you're W-2 for your last 30 days of pay stubs. I would also ask you for your last two years of any W-2s and 1099s, all of them. Some people get, have, get multiple. They get W-2s and 1099s. And then I would ask you for uh, 30 days of consecutive pay stubs. Um, and then I would ask you for your current mortgage statement if you're refinancing. And then I would also ask you for any additional bank statements, your largest assets. And at that point, you would send that to me. And then I do a pre-underwrite. I have a software that basically the underwriters use. So I'm very skilled with this underwriting financial process. And I would plug all the numbers in my software. And that would tell me what you qualify for. It would tell me your debt to income ratio. I would look over your credit report. I wouldn't see any red flags. And then at that point, when I have your credit report that I run, because now you're serious and you, you want to move forward, then I take all of this and what we do with your application and your credit report is we run it through a system called AUS. And that system is where Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have their online websites Basically, we upload your loan application, that's why it needs to be accurate, and your credit report. And within minutes, we will get a, a written AUS approval. So that approval is either a DU, which is Fannie Mae, or an LP, which is Freddie Mac. 
And on that agency, those two agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, it'll tell us if you qualify and then it'll give us some conditions. It's about a two-page approval. Most lenders, all lenders that I know, will accept that AUS approval once we submit your loan package. However, especially with COVID, after COVID, many of these lenders have what's called overlays. So if Fannie Mae approval says, oh, we only need two months of reserves, and that two months of reserves would be your PITI, principal interest, tax insurance, and then homeowners, if you live in a condo, whatever that monthly amount is, they would want to see two months of reserves in a bank account. However, some lenders have, again, what's called overlays. And in their overlay, they would say, no, 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 we want to see six months right now because of COVID, or we want to see 12 months. So it's very important for a skilled loan officer or mortgage broker to read the guidelines of the lender that they're planning to take your loan to, to make sure you can fit all those overlays. Some of them will not accept rental income right now. So for example, if you own like a fourplex and you make some rental income, a lot of them because of COVID and what's happening with renters, they're like, no, we're not going to accept the rental income. You have to qualify on your base income alone, and we're not going to count the rental income. Or they may only count for 50%. It's really important to see what their overlay guideline is on these issues. So that's the pre-approval that I do. And the real estate agents really like it because, you know, I can tell them I ran it through Fannie Mae. Freddie Mac. I've looked at the overlays from the other lenders and I've put you in my underwriting software and pretty much I don't see any red flags. I don't see any pink flags and I'm going to write a pre-approval letter, send it to you, and then you can forward it to your real estate agent. So that's that process which basically is good enough to go and make an offer on a property. You have a contingency period. Sometimes we can shorten it if we've done this because basically you're ready to go to underwriting and we just need an appraisal. So that'll depend situation by situation. The, then once we get your entire loan package we, and we've picked a lender that can work with your scenario, work with any overlays, we'll send it to them, we'll submit it to them, it goes to underwriting, and then you get a fully underwritten approval. All of those approvals will have conditions. It's nothing to worry about. If you have a clean underwritten approval, the conditions might be, you know, we want to see the insurance. That's very, of course, they have to see the insurance. We want to see your tax transcript. We want to see an appraisal. These are pretty common, common conditions. If you're self-employed, there may be additional, there will be, excuse me, with COVID, there will be additional uh, conditions. So for self-employed people, they want to see a 2019, for example, if you just gave them the 2018 tax return, they're going to want to see a 2019 profit and loss. This can be audited by your CPA, 
Some lenders will accept a borrower-generated P&L that you do and you just sign it. Others will want, no, 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 we want it from a CPA. We want it audited. So that'll depend too on the lender. This is something the loan officer should check. Do they want an audited P&L or will they accept a borrower-generated P&L? It could be an issue. Um, and then they'll want, for example, we're in the year 2020 right now, so they will want a year-to-date profit and loss for 2020. They'll also verify your business, either with a business license, or they'll look you up on Google to see if you have any kind of business listing. So there are a little more, little more steps for self-employed individuals. Um, other conditions that may come up, if you have complicated tax returns, they may want to see some more uh, paperwork on your, your income or your debts. So it just depends if you're W-2 or self-employed. Typically, W-2 individuals get pretty clean approval. There's not too much we have to do. We do have to verify your income. We do have to verify the tax returns with the IRS uh, transcript. And right now, because of COVID, the transcripts are taking a long time to get done. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we can get them right away in a few days. Sometimes it takes a long time. So I tell my clients, please go on the, if you're self-employed, please go on the IRS website, open up a little account. You know, you just have to sign up, do your password, go in there and request your last two years transcript so you have them for us and so there's no delays in the refinance or the um, purchase so there you have it now the last phase is after you have gathered all of those conditions and you send them to your loan officer typically the the loan processor is the one that will look through it with the loan officer and they'll once you gather all of the conditions they will typically, the lenders typically do not like them uh, snail mailed, you know, bit by bit. They want them all at once. And then it goes back to underwriting and the underwriter will look at all your conditions you uploaded, sign off, give you a final approval. That final approval is really, I believe, where you should lift your loan contingency. If you're confident and your conditions are pretty simple, that could, like getting insurance and getting your transcripts, um, then you can lift it when you get your conditional approval. If it's a little more complicated, I'd, I don't like to take risks. I would wait till you got your final approval. After your final approval, then you get what's called a CTC. CTC, clear to close. This means your loan package can now go to the closing department. The underwriter, no more stuff from the underwriter. You're clear to close. They issue a, a CD, which stands for a closing disclosure. And keep in mind, the figures you're going to see on a closing disclosure are the loan, loan estimate that you got in the very beginning now they're going to give you one at the end and it's called a closing disclosure, right? And there's a tolerance on that, but that's, I'm not going to get into that in this podcast. Your closing disclosure will not have a lot of the escrow things on there. 
So that closing disclosure is basically for the loan portion. You'll get that, you'll acknowledge it, you'll sign it. Then we have to wait three days for the right of rescission. Then your loan docs can get issued, sent over to escrow. They make the appointment for your notary to sign, to come to your home and voila, you got your loan docs. You should ask your loan officer or broker for it, not only because you got the copy of the CD, the closing disclosure, you want a copy of your settlement statement as well from escrow because escrow will have more invoices and more details, the payoffs, more accurate. The escrow officer uses that closing disclosure to add to her settlement. So please ask for a copy of your settlement statement before your notary shows up. You should have it because if there's any discrepancies or any questions, you can call your loan officer, call your mortgage broker and get that all figured out. Anything that needs to be straightened out, get it straightened out. The notary comes over. It'll be a very smooth signing. After that, your loan docs go back to escrow. They take a look at it. Then it goes back to the lender and it goes to the funding department. Everything is okay. They, they fund your loan and then you close and record. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And again, you can text me or call me 310-291-1601. This is Neely Nathan with C2 Financial. I have over 20 years of experience in mortgage lending. And right now we're doing the Conquest loans. I don't know if you've seen the commercials for them, but our rates are so low, two and a half percent. It's a great time to buy and get that low two and a half percent, 30 year fixed loan, no prepayment penalty. Our lender fees are very low. Our points are very low really worth giving me a call and let me give you a quote and let me use my skill to get you the best loan and a successful smooth transaction. Thank you so much for listening.